welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm Andrew Rayburn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. In this episode, we speak to Jake Brown, originally from Scotland, but currently coaching adult and youth soccer in Madrid. His journey has been a meandering one in the last few years, beginning with a role as kit man for the uh, Scotland women's national team, where his sister Frankie was a regular for many years. After taking his badges, he later landed a role with Bristol City Women's Academy and worked with various age groups, including helping some of the older players on their final steps towards the first team. After lockdown, he decided to move out to Spain from where he spoke to our very own Steph Fairbairn, who first asked him about his coaching journey and its unlikely beginnings. I never intended to be a football coach in the beginning. I think uh, a lot of people will relate to that and you, you sort of find your own little journey. I've always loved football. I've played football. It's It's been part of my life. It's been part of my family's life as well. Um, so I've got sister and and we were both footballers and when we were young we played together and she went on and did very very big things and I'll I'll get to that in a moment um my my mom passed away when I was 22 and it gave me the chance to be well you know what what do I want to do what am I doing where am I going and actually it allowed me to stop a little bit. I would, I'd done a business degree. I was going down the economics route. And I sort of said, well, I don't know. I, I want to see explore a little bit more. So I started working with Scottish Women's National Team as a sort of administrator and a kit man, which honestly was the best job in the world. Um, I sort of had this opportunity because my sister's a footballer and played with uh, the Scottish Women's National Team. And there was a little job opening to come and do the kit and support the team. And because me and my sister are very close, it was a time that it was great for us to be close together as a family. And then we we travelled all over Europe with the Scottish Women's National Team. And actually, that was the first time I was like, I love this environment. I was exposed to the very elite professional footballers. The head coach and assistant managers have had a lasting effect on me. This was almost 10 years ago, but I still remember the way that they did their lesson plans, the way that they had every little detail set up. So that was Anna Sinul and Annalyn Graham, who are now the head coach and assistant manager at Finland. Um, but they took Scottish, Scottish football from where it was to an astronomical, astronomical different place and were just, for me, so inspiring. and. That environment just made me be like, well, this is something I would love to be part of. And <laughs> and I call it work with definitely quotations because it was so fun. It was like being part of a big family. And at a time that I felt like, ooh, about family, it was it was a difficult time personally and for our family. And then it just felt like I was so supported by players, other coaching staff. And obviously being close to my sister was amazing. And that was my first chance of being like, well, okay, I want to do this. So I started to do my first coaching qualification at that age. I did the level one type thing in in Scotland. And then I moved quite quickly down to Bristol. Um, My sister was playing for Bristol City at the time. And we were then nice and close again. It was, again, a a nice supportive um, relationship that you have both, both ways. And 
In Bristol, I found a, a very nice community within football, both in grassroots. I started to coach grassroots on a Saturday and a Wednesday in North Bristol with Clifton United, which was uh, an under sevens teams and an under 15s team. And actually, for me, it was a great way to start because starting your football coaching and learning journey with under sevens, you learn while they learn and, and you sort of I took them up until they were under 11s and over four years I learned a lot about every age group, how they need different things um, and actually it gave me four years to connect with these same kids and that was that was very special. Um, in Bristol it was a, a very fruitful time I suppose in, in my coaching. I learned a lot both from under 7s, under 8 sort of age. Um, I started working for a, a company, it was a, a grassroots coaching company and everything was based around fun and that is still how I am, that is still about making sure it's a safe environment. Um, it's a company called Soccer Shooters, it was amazing, it was really special in terms of the environment that it created and how kids came to the, the sessions and how they left and like our I suppose our key performance indicators were how many come back next week. And that was always and still is the, the goal for me. Um, I went down uh, an academy route as well. Um, I was lucky enough to, to work with under 10s to start with, with Bristol City Women, um, the academy team. And that was amazing. Again, it was both a very supportive environment. I met amazing other coaches and maybe a slightly different coach than I'd known in the past because my initial introduction was at the very highest level at international football. Then I went and did grassroots with parents of kids and, and just people getting started. And then I was introduced to academy football and people with maybe a, a more similar mindset of actually maybe I want to do this and maybe I'm taking steps down a journey. Um, but I sort of came into it and because I didn't ever do sports science or sports coaching at university or I sort of had a, a big information gap, really. Um, so it was very nice to connect with people who'd maybe done four years at university or, or college and university learning this stuff. And I would sort of sucked all that knowledge from from these guys and girls um, at Bristol City, which was was very useful. And it has put me in good stead for, for the future. Um, Bristol City was amazing because I, I started with the under 10s. Then I worked with the under 16s. And then I worked with some of the under 21s. And I was always very welcome to, to come and watch the first team when Tanya Oxby was in charge. And that was, that was something I did a lot. I enjoyed it. And we, we did amazing things, actually. When I was with the under-16s, we, we had two very, very good seasons. We got to the FA Youth Cup, uh, the Shield. And unfortunately, that was COVID year, so the final was cancelled. Um, so we didn't get to play against Manchester United as was planned. Um, but that was a, a group of players, group of fantastic young women who are now flourishing. Um, there's a few in the Bristol City first team and it's uh yeah I'm very proud um not because I feel as though I contributed just because those I can see how much they've developed and it's just uh 
we created a very nice environment at that club and I felt that it was a very much a family environment and from what I experienced in the very first time I was exposed that's all of, always what I'm striving for to to make sure people are supporting each other and actually it it feels like a safe environment that people can challenge without feeling that it's it's too direct or just feel a bit free and when they're free they can learn when they feel safe they can learn and that's always been my philosophy with that um bristol was was great because i also managed to connect with a lot of people i went through i went through my uh coaching qualifications and uh three years ago i i qualified as uefa b coach so for the past three years i've i've, I've been uefa b and on these courses i mean one of the best things about the courses is who you meet and those connections that you make especially you have amazing tutors and i know that one of the big inspirations for me in in gloucester was uh, steve lilly he was a amazing tutor amazing person um and actually that relationship is is still still going and um he runs a, a company that brings coaches out as a little educational tour to madrid so now i sort of connect with them and i can sort of show them about madrid and like i'm proud of my city so i i like to i like to sort of take people around and it's a it's a coaching education um but it's also the culture of of spain is very football orientated so they go hand in hand very well um after bristol we went into our lockdown and i think everybody had another reset of how their journey is going, what do they want, what is in their future. I went back and uh, lived with my dad uh, during lockdown because he was on his own. So I moved back to Scotland for six months and, and spent six months there. Then I came back to Bristol and, and sort of had a, a vision of moving out here to Madrid, where where I live now. My, my partner's Spanish, so I've been tentatively learning Spanish um, for many years. Uh, however, having moved here in the first two to three months, I realized how tentative I was <laughs> in my learning. And it's been a it's been one year, super fruitful, very fulfilling, but scary, absolutely terrifying at times, uh, very much out of my comfort zone um, from a, a football coach where you're very passionate about making sure your communication is perfect, knowing actually you've kind of already thought about what you might be seeing, what you might be saying in a particular circumstance that you might see within training or outside of training. And to go from being someone who feels as though you're maybe quite a skilled communicator to being scared of communicating almost and very much not having the vocabulary to get across your point, that was very difficult. That was very difficult, um, but I felt over time. Now, one year has passed. I I am much more confident. It's much more. Uh, I feel much more like any question, any situation, any circumstance, I can communicate, and I feel less worried about being perfect with what I want to say. I'm now more about okay. I really want to communicate, and that's what I'm going to do. If it's not exactly the correct word, that's that's not a problem as long as we get the desired result in the end, um, which is very much tricky as a football coach because you've been thinking about that and making sure you can say exactly what you want to say 
in the smallest amount of words quickly and also with enough directness but not too much directness so it's always something I've been thinking of as a football coach so it's it is a change and it is a bit tricky um but it is a learning and uh, one of the things as a football coach you you cannot stop learning there's always new trends there's always new things to learn about whether it is tactical whether it is communication style whether it is psychology whatever it is I, i'm super passionate about continuing to learn always um spanish has been great for me for that because it's now a habit i have a tutor i have homework and maybe i'm not learning as much in terms of my coaching at the moment but i still have a learning habit with my spanish so that's something i would always always recommend always make sure you're learning um whether it's small tactical things but always inquisitive always challenging your own delivery um here in spain is is nice i quite quickly got involved with the the largest english speaking football team in madrid partly because i did not want to stop touching football coaching i i, I really after lockdown it was too long that i hadn't coached and i just i love being on the field I love having a football in my hands I love being there um and it's it was something that I do have a big dream a master plan of coaching football in Spain professionally in Spanish and that's maybe not going to happen tomorrow but I still want to keep coaching and I um right now I'm coaching an adult team and that again is a different different challenge for me um I have coached youth teams from the age of 6 7 all the way up to 16 17 18 19 21 but this is the first time I coach an adult team so i feel very prepared for coaching in any circumstance because when you do coaches under 6s or under 7s you have no idea what they might do so you're very calm in in the chaos a little bit um but with adults it's it's very different um i've got a a bank of players that i think we have over 10 nationalities in our team so very quickly i understood how not to speak very quickly in my scottish accent when coaching an international group after the first drill that i tried to do when i i was like okay blah 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 really really quick and everybody looked at me like eh, well <laughs> i don't know what you mean so i then realized okay demonstrations using boards using spanish words that for individuals i know will need something a little bit more in depth rather than just me speaking it through it in 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 english i'm very lucky with the team i have i have some guys that are uh, bilingual both in spanish and english and and can support if there's a guy who who maybe doesn't quite understand what i mean they can quickly go over and and we sort of we work well as a team like that um i also coach some kids here in spain which has been really interesting because i found that the cultures are very different and actually the way that the kids learn football is maybe a bit different to to in england it's a little bit more chaotic here but they have such a love of football and a, such a an understanding and they clearly watch football um and i know 
if I was to compare the under the 10 year olds to England and 10 year olds to here in, in the sort of Spanish culture, this may be a, a more calm way of learning in England and it's easier to get your points across. But in Spain, there's a lot more passion and the competitive side is is huge. Um, I know it is in England as well, but it's it's just little little different things. It's you have to keep their attention a lot in in Spain, and it has to be really fast and competitive all the time. And and there there there's tears, <laughs> and and sometimes that is sometimes that's all right. Um, and they learn how competitiveness can can be good for your passion and for wanting to play. But you know if you lose your game four or three. That's not a huge drama. Don't worry about it. You're still getting better every time you're touching the ball. So I have a lot of those conversations here, probably more so if I was to compare when I was coaching similar ages in, in England. Um, but as I said, there is no right way. Uh, they're just, just different cultures and just different ways. And for me, as a coach, it's great. It's different and different means I have to learn. And, and that's, the, that's the dream to, to keep on learning. So. Spain has been interesting for my development because I have different culture to to coach. Um, also, with our with our kids, they are they are they are in a bilingual school, so there is there is a degree of English. But there will be times I'll have to use my Spanish to to help them understand, even if it's just a sort of simple um, organizational aspect of of training or of the games. So that's very good for me. And also I have to communicate with the referees in Spanish and, and all the official stuff happens in, in Spanish. So that's a, an out of comfort zone experience to start with. Um, but now it's much, much smoother and I understand how it all works. Um, so recently I have again gone out of a comfort zone to, to go to a new country. So I was in South America, I went over to Colombia. It was very calm for me as a person. Um, it was very reflective about my journey, both my personal journey, but also my football journey. Um, I went out to Colombia thinking, well, I'll connect with some people and I'll go and see some training sessions. But actually, that didn't really happen, um, which is fine. It was just a, a different type of trip. Um, and I found, I found the tranquility and, and the beauty of the nature where we were. Um, we did a lot of traveling. Um, myself and my partner and again I saw I saw the passion of the Colombian people for their football we we watched a few Colombian international games at the time we're on when we were there and again the the, the community is is very together um, with that but football wasn't the biggest part of my trip it was nice because I probably for the first time in many years took a break didn't really think about football too much and Coming back from that, you come back with huge amount of energy. So that's always something that has to happen, um, especially if you're maybe working all throughout the season and maybe trying to get to the stage where you get paid just to work in football. You're probably working a full-time job doing football after, after work. And then maybe all throughout the summer, you're doing football camps. And actually, 12 months a year for five years, exhausted is maybe not the not the best way because you can get a burnout for sure um but for me that was a, an amazing recharge so now 
back in Madrid, I'm back on the coaching my under 10s at, at the weekend and also with my English speaking team, FC Britannicos, who are an amazing club, really interesting. Um, we have, as I said, a very international team. We have two teams and an A's and a B's. I didn't know anybody coming here. And then immediately you have two football teams that you know, and that's almost 40 people that have maybe had similar experiences from you to come into a new environment and not really know anybody. So you get a bit of a, an insight into Madrid life. Um, so that has been a, that's been a good support for, for moving to a brand new place. Um, communication is very key. And one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to come and learn another language was I only speak one language. If football is what I want to do, and if that's the the big dream, being adaptable and being flexible about being able to communicate in different languages and also have an understanding of other cultures, have an understanding of actually maybe understand how hard it is to move to a new culture. If you have a, a young youth player that is a sort of moved from somewhere to, to where you are and is, is feeling a bit lonely or a bit isolated. The empathy involved is is very important. Um, I think as a coach, the two two biggest things that I feel are the most important things is how you communicate and actually your empathy. And that is across all from, from your under sevens, being empathetic to a degree for, for, for these kids and sort of helping them, helping see the, the game through their eyes a little bit um, because it's understandable um, when you come in as a sort of six or seven-year-old, you don't really know what football is, you don't know the rules, and then you get all these instructions. And I always say that to um, the parents. Imagine you're going to go and play a sport. You have no idea what the rules are. You don't know anybody else, and you get thrown on and say, go and play. And you go, I, I, I don't know any of the rules. So it's understandable that there can be some... Uh, trepidation for for these kids um but i think the em- empathy and understanding where where everybody sits is is very important from that under sevens all the way up to i've not been in the first team and i'm struggling because i've been a sub for six months and i've stepped on the pitch for 10 minutes you know it's it's understanding different different people and and sort of just putting yourself in their shoes i've managed to sort of support my bristol city players from afar to a degree we I have a few players that we still keep in contact and do a sort of zoom just to check in just to see how things are going when you're a young player it's hard if you maybe get into the first team after having been flying throughout your youth career and then you don't play for a whole season I think that that's something that needs to be talked about Uh, I think they need to maybe let it out at times and I feel as though as a as a football coach that has connected really well with some of those players, I am available for them to have these conversations and and just give a little bit of guidance as best I can, not not to overstep the mark in terms of their and a different their professional footballs now, not in terms of what you should be doing, but just a little bit of listening and a little bit of support. Um, so that is uh, a big long sentence that I'll I'll put a full stop in now. Gosh, thank you, Jake. You give me so much to to pick up from there. I was interested in what you were saying about um, 
I guess, taking a pause. And because actually a lot of the conversation I'm seeing um, around coaching at the minute is some coaches struggling to make it their full-time job or make it a sustainable thing to do. You know, do you have any tips on how you can also have a break, but, you know, make it your your full-time career and make it sustainable? Yeah, I think um, I struggled this with this uh, for a long time um, because I almost thought, if I take a pause, I'll be forgotten about. If I take a pause, um, the contacts that I have, maybe I won't be at the training session or I won't be at the moment that they're saying, oh, there's this other opportunity. And because football is very much, it's very difficult to get anywhere if you don't know people. Um, and it's that is what it is. And I've always thought if I'm there, if I'm, around other coaches there'll be opportunities if I'm around the match that is a very interesting game and there's going to be lots of other coaches there it's maybe a learning environment I always like to be there um I think it's very easy to look into the future and have a vision of what you want and what it's going to be like very rarely is it exactly that um and I struggle with that for sure because I have this vision that I have. And I think my advice would be, remember what you're doing now. And actually, even if your goals seem far away from where you are now, is there small steps you can be taking to, to go towards that? For example, me right now, my small step is ensuring my language skills are good every day. And that's the small steps that I'm doing. And I'm I'm tiptoeing towards what I want by making sure every day I'm studying my Spanish. For a different environment, it might be you are ensuring you're meeting new people in your community. You're ensuring that when the, the, the FA are doing these webinars, you're attending, you're always learning. Um, I think being too much in the future can be a burden because it, you know you create your anxiety of, uh, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Take it back a little bit and, and sort of take stock of what am I doing in the now? What are my small steps towards where I want to go? And just as I said, it might be connecting with new people. It might be trying things that you haven't done before um, in terms of both on the pitch and off the pitch. I think turning football into a full-time job is undoubtedly tremendously difficult, but I would never be close to any opportunity. I think take things as they come and, and make sure you've got small steps that you're always going towards what you want would be my advice. Yeah, I was going to say that as well, because I know, you know, you've shared your experiences um, and all the teams you've you've kind of worked with and all the different levels. And I know I think you do some one to one coaching as well. Do you think it's important to get that kind of rounded um, view of football and those rounded experiences? Yeah, certainly. I think the as many strings to your bow you can have is is always going to be a benefit. One to one coaching is is quite intense. It's a very different thing to coaching a team. You have to be wearing your binoculars to be zooming in on things, which uh, can be difficult. But again, it's another skill that you can take from that one to one. Um, into your team environment because maybe you are speaking about something because you have a lot more time and you have a lot more space with an individual and you can listen to them and you cannot be working all of the time maybe some 
a bit different to your team environment. We always want them moving, always want them high intensity and always want them engaged. But with, with your one-to-ones, you can't really do that. If you're 45 minutes or an hour, you can't have that individual just absolutely working like a, a dog the whole time. You have to take stock and you have to give feedback and you have to be trying to spot things. Um, and that spotting is, is a skill. Even if you know what you're supposed to be looking for, spotting it is hard. <laughs> it's probably the hardest part of football coaching, spotting what you should be changing or, or giving some feedback on. And one-to-one gives you that chance to do that. Um, it also gets, gives you a chance to, to know the individual and actually knowing how they want to learn. And when you do know that, it's again, if they're also then part of your bigger team, it's easier to coach them. I always found that if you're coaching a big team, knowing how people react to different coaching styles is very important. Sometimes people need a, an arm around the shoulder or a kick up the bum. And that is, that's knowing your players, which is very important. I think one-to-ones allow you that space to, to maybe have a chat, get to know them a little bit. Um, and those, those are the two things that I think you can bring into your, your bigger coaching world of spotting, getting the opportunity to do that uh, without all of the chaos of 22 players or however many players you have. Spotting in 22 players, what you're looking for is difficult, but if you have one and you're working on something very specific, it's easier to sort of pick that out and take it back and, and look at it together. Do you think the demand for one-to-one coaching is is growing? And if so, how do coaches, I guess, market themselves as, as a potential one-to-one coach? Yeah, I think in football, everything is specifying more and more and more, isn't it? I think you, you have your, your examples of throw-in coaches and set-peak coaches, coaches that maybe 10, 15 years ago weren't, weren't really a thing. I think specifying is, is, a, is an intelligent thing to do. Um, having a, a real skill and having something that you pin your hat on is a, is a good thing. Um, obviously, making sure you have a rounded, uh, a rounded variety of skills is always good. But specialization is is something that's going to come in more, in my opinion, in football. Whether you're a specific attacking coach, or actually to the degree that you are a, a right back coach, a left back coach, a, a striker coach, that is coming in. And I think one of the one of the academies that I always see are doing amazing things are up in Scotland or Dundee United um, I'm always really impressed with how connected they are both with their community trust and their community but also they always come up with innovative ideas they recently had a, a camp that was position specific camps I think it was through the community rather than with the academy team but I'm sure they they talk and they have these discussions of what might be useful and they had Two days that was a specific uh, attacker's football camp. And then the next day was a midfielder's football camp. And the next day was defender's football camp. I think specialisation is going going more and more. In terms of marketing that, decide what you like. It's always great when you have someone who's teaching you, who's so passionate about the subject. If you love attacking, go and specialise in attacking. And actually, I, I know even as you go higher up the... The pyramids, you know, you have a head coach that is a very good defensive coach, a very good structural organiser, 
And actually, they really need an assistant manager that's the other way. And they really need an assistant manager that is the creative mind and is the, the attacking mind. And finding your niches, I think, is important because actually it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of study and and you can't be a specialized in everything and you're not specialized anymore. <laughs> kind of leads me to as well because I know um you contributed to the the magazine towards the end of last year and you said you were really looking to you know I guess up your analysis game and bring it more into yeah. your coaching you know how's yeah. that going what's that been looking like oh it's been good um so I've seen a lot more footage I think the reason that this was uh, a bit of a goal for me was it allowed me to it's quite an individual thing um, and actually, because I'm because I don't see the team four, five, six times a week. We we train twice a week, and we play at the weekend, and that allows me to spend a little bit more time looking at something that I can do on my own. Um, it's the first time I've had as much footage as I wish. Okay, we we managed to film all of our games, um, and I have that very available to me. It's been good. I, one of the hardest parts of it was like deciding which software to use and, and sort of how to get your head around the basics of that. And it was like, I think, again, this is, this is again, another specialist area that is growing and growing and growing. And I think being able to bring your football coaching expertise into, into the analysis part is, is really, is going to help you if, if that's your passion to, to work in football this is a an exploding um, job market, in my opinion. I think um, uh, it's it's been good. I have I've managed to to sort of clip and isolate some some more detail, and it's allowed us to to then look at it at training. We are tonight doing some set pieces uh, due to some both positives and a few negatives. Um, and just sort of working out how we as a team are going to make sure we we make the most of our set pieces. So, for example, this is quite easy to use our analysis because I can just go and find all of the corners, find all of the free kicks quite quickly because we've been tagged and actually look at them all and say, this is what usually happens. This is a trend. OK, what could we do different? Here's some other ideas. Um, and actually for for the team. It's, it's really, really helpful um, because we we have a, a very small bank of set pieces that we do that are fairly um, fruitful. They, they work. Um, it's, it's a nice chance to try things, do something creative, do something a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I will delve in more in terms of patterns of play and, and sort of being able to give more specific feedback to individuals or or little units, um, units of three, maybe the front three, and how their pressing is going and how it looks and how the shape of, of their press impacts our midfield and what our midfield do in response to that front three. And then where our back line is in, in terms of that. And it will be much easier to show just as pictures here, there's been a press, look at the space that we've left in here and here and here. And it's very easy because... Sometimes without that proof, it's harder to convince the the players that this has actually happened. Um, but when you have that proof, it can be like, have a look at this. What do you see? 
and then you can do it together rather than it feeling more like this is what's happened and then them maybe having a different um, vision or a different view of that and that doesn't lead to good communication if your starting point is disagreeing um, but if we can then use factual information and it's with no bias this is what it looked like then we can have a discussion from there and it's just a much healthier communication I think. Yeah I was thinking about that actually because I so I coach an under 13 girls team and we um we we don't have any like filming software or anything and we try and bring back moments from the game and we're lucky that they accept that we say it was like this but I'm thinking when they get a bit yeah. older they might be challenging <laughs> actually how they how they think it was so um yeah yeah that's good to hear how, yeah. how players respond to the analysis um yeah I think I've always said when when the players are challenging it's it's actually probably a good thing because it means you've created that environment that they feel as though they can say, I don't agree. Um, obviously with a degree of respect and, and all, um, but you're right, there is, <laughs> it is, there is a acceptance at times that maybe there's a reason it was like that. And you didn't see that reason because you're standing in the middle of the pitch, but maybe your centre back knows why, because they were standing and they see everything. So, it's just a different way. And I think having unbiased and unopinionated images are, are very helpful just as a starting point. That was the voice of Jake Brown, a coach based in Madrid. We thank Jake for his time and Steph for the questions. Thank you to you as well for listening. Don't forget you can get the Soccer Coach Weekly magazine direct to your inbox every Friday. Subscribe via our website, soccercoachweekly.net, where you can also find practice plans advice, interviews, and much, much more. I'm Andrew Rayburn. Thanks once more for listening. Join us again soon here on the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. Mm-hmm.